comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. Now listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys, level the mountains and the hills, straighten the curves, and smooth out the rough places. Then, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people who will see it together say this, the Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Shout that the people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flower fades in a field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people, the grass withers and the flower fades, but, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. This is a awesome portion of scripture here in Isaiah 40. Uh, Isaiah 40 marks a turning point for the people of God here. Uh, for If you were to read, start reading through the book of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters in Isaiah, uh, God is dealing with his people through this prophet, and a lot of the words that's coming through the prophet is words of judgment, words of, hey, listen, you guys have messed up, you've messed up big, and it, it, there's a lot of judgment that happened. But in Isaiah 40, it, it, there's this break, there's this pause, it stops, and really for the rest of the book, and he says, listen, comfort my people, speak tenderly to them. See, for like 39 chapters, all they've gotten is the like, listen, you have totally messed up. And, and for some of us, like, we've heard that message, and we know that message. We are very much acquainted with our sin. And see, this is a people that is very much acquainted with their sin. See, they have a pattern. They've, they've established this pattern that they, they, they keep going in and out of. They'll, they'll turn to God and turn away from God. And turn, th- things get good, and, 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 and then they start messing up again. Things get bad, and then they turn back to God. And that doesn't sound like any of us, right? Like, no, that's, that's such a foreign concept. What? People do that? Humanity does this? Like, it's not just the Jerusalem, the Israel. It's not just this people. It's not their story. Come on now. It's our story. We've been there. We've done that. You know, we, there's this pattern. There's this flow, this rotation of God. You know, well, not, it's good right now. And, so, and then we kind of we start doing things that we shouldn't do. And, and all of a sudden, sin begins to enter our life. And, and next thing you know, all of a sudden, God, how did I find myself in this place? How did I find? And so this is a, a people that they're very much acquainted with their sin. Uh, in, in their time, too, is somewhat even more obvious than our day, where there was like physical idols that have been set up. There, were, there was different uh, people worshiping at different temples and to different gods and all this stuff. But it's, it's the same story in a different context. And so at the beginning of this chapter marks this transition period. There's this moment where God says, okay, now just comfort my people. Is there anybody in here that could just use some comfort this morning? You're just like, yeah, like I, I know me. I looked in the mirror this morning and I know me. And I just... I, come on, uh, I'm a little bit depressed the more I look in the mirror. 
Uh, the, the more I see what's really deep in my heart, the more that I'm honest with what goes on in here, God, I need you to do something. I need you to do something. I need some comfort. And, and there's a transition. There's a repenting. There's a turning back. And, and there's this pattern that happens over and over. But you know what's also common about this thread of this, this, this pattern of, of us turning towards God and turning away from God and turning towards God and turning away? You know what else is common with this, this pattern through, all throughout the scriptures? Every time Jesus is right there saying, come home, come home, come home, comfort my people. It's okay. It's okay. I know you've messed up. I, I know you've blown it again and again. It's okay. The sad days are gone. Somebody in here just needs to know that. The sad days are gone. It's time for a transition. God's doing something new in your life. And, and I, could, I could feel it last week. When I was preaching the sermon, there was a part in the sermon where I got to the end and we started reading the scriptures. And when I read this one portion of the scripture that Paul was talking about, how we are uh, even afflicted in our body, but yet we're being raised in Christ. And it, it, it just kind of hit me like how he was writing this. That, listen, even though everything that we're going through, yet life and eternity in Christ. And I could just feel it in me. And, and I, I came home later that day and uh, Pastor Kenneth had wrote something on my Facebook wall and then he did this thing called a hashtag like I know I'm behind on the times with hashtagging like I'm supposed to be young and hip but like hashtagging's new to me I'm just getting it like I just jumping on the hashtag train half of y'all don't know what that is so it's okay so but there was this hashtag and apparently if you put this word in you could search this word and see all the things that people have hashtagged that word but he, he wrote uh, heavy lifting and had this like uh, uh, arm icon, you know, or something, you know, heavy lifting. And, and it was awesome because I knew what he meant, but whenever I read it, I read it as heavy lifting. The heavy is lifting. The heaviness that you feel on your life, that pain, that sorrow, that depression, that little thing that wants to say, oh, all, all of this sin and everything that wants to keep you down. And I just felt like God saying, the heavy is lifting. The heavy is lifting. Tell my people, comfort my people, speak tenderly. Tell them that the sad days are gone. The sad days are gone. All of your sins are pardoned. All of your sins are pardoned. It's a brand new day in Christ. It's a brand new day. It's over. Your sin has held you back for too long. Your sin has held you back for too long because some of us we have, we've messed up and we've clothed ourselves for, for some of us a number, number of years with guilt and shame. And even though there's a part of us that says, yes, I, I, I know I'm forgiven, but only kind of. Because the, the guilt and the shame, and, and I don't want anyone to know. I, I don't want anyone to, to know exactly what I've done. I remember um, this was a couple years ago where I did this sermon and um, we were talking about the topic of the sermon. I wanted to talk about marriage and how marriage develops over time and through the years. And I had this idea, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll get uh, a young married couple. And at that time, I was the young married couple. But, like, we were about to celebrate 10 years now. And I don't, wow, like, where did time go? And so, like, at that point, 
in our life. We were the young married couple, and then I had a couple that had been married for like 20 years, and then I had a couple that had been married for like 40 years. And I just thought, like, we're going to ask a question, and then through each couple, we'll kind of see how each couple answers the same question, but it'll be different from the, the little rookies over here that have been married two years, and then the people that have been married four years, because it's different. It's different. It, it could be the same, but it could be different. You know what I'm saying? And so I had this idea, and, and I talked to a few couples, and then there was one couple that I asked. Her, I said, listen, guys, do y'all mind coming up, and we're going we're gonna to share, and, and I'd like you to share this about your marriage, and I'd like to share about how you went through a divorce and how this is your second marriage and, and some of that. And um, then they just started looking at me real weird. Like, what? You want us to say that? Like, in church? Yeah. What's the problem? Like, it just didn't, no, we don't want anybody to know that we've been divorced. We don't want, like, why? Like, why? You, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. See, people need to know what you've been through. See, you spent a lifetime trying to cover it up. And that guilt and that shame that you're feeling, part of it that you don't want anyone to know is the very thing that God says, and that's what I want others to know. Because I want others to see just how powerful I am in such a broken, weak vessel. But the truth is, we want people to think we're strong. But the truth is, we're very weak. And, and the scriptures say, and that's the beauty of the glory of God, that we have this un, undeniable, uncanny treasure in this jar of clay. And this broken, weak vessel, there's this beautiful power of God that's still working through us. And when we cover up that, we diminish what God's trying to do on this earth. We got to stop trying to hide it. See, it's that moment in your life when you come to the end of yourself. Um, a few months ago, we had all of the volunteers come together. And it's pretty amazing at this church. We have almost 100 people that volunteer at some capacity. That's like 50% of our church is volunteering at some capacity. And for years, it was the old 20, 20, 80 principle of 20% of the people. But like all, so we had this whole group of people and a lot of volunteers at this meeting. And one of the things that I asked, I said, listen guys, what, is, what are some things in your life, what are, what are some moments that something happened or, or whatever it could be that you know, God just touched you in such a way that you knew it was God, and it changed your life forever. It just, there's something you can't, and what are those moments that you just, you could pinpoint this moment in time, and, and, and it just took your life in a different direction, and, and people begin to say things. And you know what they were saying? They were saying things like, the time, well, when my first marriage fell apart, when I went through cancer, when I had this stroke, when my kids started acting crazy and said they weren't people of faith anymore. And they started naming all these things. And when, when I messed up this bad, and, and all of these moments that I just thought, yes, yes. Because this is this prodigal moment. See, there's this moment in the prodigal son story, and it says, and when he came to himself, he said to himself, listen, this is what I'll do. See, there's this moment that you've got to come to the end of you. When you come to the end of yourself, that's the moment in which you find Jesus. That's the moment where you realize, whoa, all of my life, all of my decisions have brought me to this point, and I am here, and this is now. And God said, well, hold on, now, now I can work with that. 
Because at the end of yourself, that's where you truly find yourself. At the end of yourself, that's where you find him. That's where you come to your senses and you turn back to God. And just like in the scripture, the, the father is saying, all is forgiven. I'm speaking tenderly to you. Come home, my child. Know that all of your sins have pardoned. You have been dealt with long enough. See, you've paid the price. See, see some of us think that we've got to, like, pay these penance. We've grown up, and, and even with some of our faith and some of our traditions that, that, that say, like, you've got to do X amount of things to, to find absolution. You've got to do these things. You've got to say these things. And, and somehow you'll kind of, if you do enough and say enough, you'll somehow get back into right standings with God. And God says, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, you can't do any of that. All you've got to do is repent. All you've got to re- do is repent. I've done it all. I've done it all. And when, and when you try to do the work, Man, you're digging your own grave. When you try to make yourself better, man, that's like, that's like pouring water into a cup with no bottom. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. God, here I am. I had this moment um, with my daughter. Actually, it started with my wife, and, and Devin's in the car, and, and we always try to ask her about what she learned in church and what she learned in school and stuff, and just to hear what Kobe's saying, and she's getting ready to turn five, and she has this moment where I, I, I believe I'm going to get the story right. Uh, Devin can correct me later, as, <laughs> as is normally the case. Um, but she said to her mama, she said, you know, mom, I want to have Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And Devin said, okay, well, we're almost home. Let's, let's do it together with dad. And so, like, we come home, and, and we talk about Jesus with Kobe, and she invites him into her heart. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, but, then, but then a few weeks go by, and uh, she, she's in with Devin again, and, and Devin is talking to her. And, and so, like, do you know, you know, how, how, how are you talking to Jesus? Because uh, we pray together every night. So are you talking to Jesus? Are you praying with Jesus? And Kobe says, yeah, I'm talking with Jesus, but I think he's on vacation. <laughs> I, I, I think he's on vacation. Like, we have to explain, no, 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 baby. <laughs> Jesus doesn't go on vacation. Oh, he doesn't? Well, maybe he's on a field trip. <laughs> like, 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 no, he's not on a field trip either. <laughs> but but like, I got to thinking about that, and I thought that's how so many of us feel. So many of us are saved and we believe in God, but yet there's a part of us that think he's on a field trip. There's a part of us that doesn't realize he is very, very close. He is very present and active and moving and breathing, and he hasn't left you. And all is forgiven, and your sins, like, he's just saying, like, come home, my child. Come home. And so he says this to this Entire group of people, comfort my people. Listen to this, listen to this. And, th- and then he says this. He says, shout. He says, shout it out. Shout it out. See, the thing that God's doing in you, it's not meant to be silent. You've remained silent too long. Remember, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, everything that he's done, and the word of our testimony. See, we can't remain silent about our faith any longer. See, like, 
the majority has been silent for too long. Like we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to step on any toes. The reality is the gospel is offensive. And there is only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. The very nature and the exclusivity of this message is going to be offensive. But there is no other way. It's Jesus and that's it. And 50 million other ways, sorry, they don't work, Jesus. And that's going to offend people. We can't remain silent any longer. He says, shout it out. I've got something for you to do. You have a message. And he, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter if you were a raging alcoholic. It doesn't matter how much drugs you did. It doesn't matter if you did more, more drugs than the Rolling Stones. Like, them guys were on it all the time, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you stole. It doesn't matter who you cheated. It doesn't matter how you've lied. God said, listen, I've got a plan for you, and I put a message inside of you, and you need to shout it out. There's something inside of you that the world needs to hear. Now, let me back up, and let me just show you how, how important this message is. In Jeremiah, there's a verse that says, listen, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before, I formed, before you were even a thought in your parents' brain, I knew you, and I have a plan for you. Now, I want you to fast forward, and, and in Galatians 1, Paul writes this. In Galatians 1 and 15 and 16, Paul says, He who set me apart before I was born. Now, he's repeating what Jeremiah has spoken. He's like, now this God who has set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. In other words, before I was even born, God had a plan and a purpose for me, and the plan and the purpose for me that God has put in me is for me to preach this message of Christ. He's revealed himself by his grace to me to preach to the Gentiles. Why is this so important? This is so important because if you look over the life of Paul, the first half of Paul's life was a total disaster. He spent his life persecuting Christians. You want to talk about like messing up bad to the point that when God reveals himself, God says, why are you persecuting me? Matter of fact, so Paul spent the first half of his life fighting against God. And yet he writes this, before I was even born. So even in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of my sin, in the midst of all of my shame, in the midst of all of my down, downfalls, God still had a plan and a purpose for me. His grace was sufficient. Somebody need to hear that this morning. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's plan for your life hasn't been voided. It hasn't been voided. Before you were even formed in the womb, God has a plan for you, a purpose for you, and part of that is you've got to shout it out. Stop trying to hide it. Paul didn't hide it. There was, there's moments where people accuse him of stuff, and he can't deny it. Yes, I've done that. I was that guy. This is this jar of clay, and that's the beauty of the gospel, that he could work in me. See, we look at Paul as some kind of hero. No, Paul was messed up, and he's saying that's the beauty of this thing. I, I, I don't have the eloquent words. I don't come to you with the, the fanciness of speech. I don't have all these things. But what this one thing I do have to know and to teach Christ among you, to know him and his crucifixion. Say, listen, it's the grace of God. 
Yeah, my first half of life. Matter of fact, he says, listen, I was the chief of sinners. I was the chief of sinners. In other words, like, I was the captain. I called the plays. I told other people, and my life was one to tell other people to persecute this Christ. And yet he writes, God set me apart before I was even born. That is an amazing, amazing thing. But whenever we clothe ourselves with that guilt and that shame, and we just try to hide everything in the closet, all we do is we make ourselves a part of the enemy's plan. See, if I can't get their soul, I'm going to quiet them. So that way other people can't come to know Christ. Because people need to know the word of your testimony. And if I could quiet their testimony, they're not going to see the Jesus that's longing to get out. He says, shout. Shout it again. Now, now, here's where it gets interesting. Because whenever, whenever God says shout, he says this, and I asked, what should I shout? And this is the message that God gives. So the people are like grass and their beauty fades. Uh, very, very quickly, like the, the flowers of the field. In other words, these people are messed up, and this is the message that I have for you. They're, they're, they're like grass and flowers, and, and it fades. To which if you were here, this like, seriously? Like, God, this is what you want me to tell everybody? You want me to tell them how, like, like I, I'm not getting it. But yet, th- there's this reality to that, like, that God's saying, listen, yeah, th- there, there's a certain aspect to this life that looks very repetitive. It looks like all of your efforts and everything that you're going to pour your, your blood, sweat, and tears to, it just looks like it's going to fade into the background. So you're going to give your life to certain causes, and you're gonna, you're gonna, there are going to be moments where you're like, God, have my, has my life amounted to anything? I just cut this grass, and it's grown again. You know? We just painted this bridge. we got to paint it again. If you've ever, if you've ever dealt with addicts, you're like, man, I, I, I've poured my life and my soul into this addict, and they've relapsed. Again, and I'm spitting all over the place this morning. I've gone Pentecostal on y'all this morning. We're Pentecostal this week. Next week's Baptist. Man, I was like spit like four or five times. I'm sorry, y'all. Gosh. I'm trying to like keep it in, man. What was I talking about? Huh? Oh, yeah, the grass is grown. Yeah, so, like there's an aspect to this thing. Like... <laughs> You, (laughs) yeah, I know, a a shield, a shield. Uh, Back up, rewind. Okay, so there's an aspect to your life, though, that you're going to pour your heart, your blood, your sweat, your tears into things, and it's just going to feel like, God, did I do any good at all? Some of you older folks know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been praying the same prayer over and over again, and it feels like you're getting nowhere. You've been doing the same thing over and over again, and it feels like you're just spinning that wheel. You just feel like you're a hamster on this wheel, and I'm going nowhere. I'm trying really hard, God, but is any of this worth anything? The grass withers, the flower fades. God, I'm trying so hard. I'm pouring my life into this person, but yet it just seems like it's getting nowhere. I've told them about Jesus 50 times, and they're they're still not a believer. I've been praying for healing for this person for years, and they're still not here. Like some of you new moms, it's like I've been changing these diapers over and over again. Will they please stop doing this? 
you know, and it just feels like, is it always going to be like this? And God says, like, listen, yeah, life is this vapor. Life is quick. You blink and it's gone. It's right here. It's right now. And it, 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 it withers and it fades like the flower. You, all of a sudden, you wake up one morning and your kids are grown. All of a sudden, you wake up one morning and, and what, whoa, God, is, has any of this meant anything? And this is the message that you want me to preach to the people? Yeah. But know this. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Know that even on the outside, it looks like you're pouring this water into this cup that has this endless hole. Know that the word of God is sticking. The word of God will not return void. God is doing inside these people's lives more than you could even begin to dream of. His word will remain forever. His word is alive and exactive. And see, it's not just this word. It's the word that he's put in you. It's the word of your testimony. It's the word of your light to others. Like there's something about you when you enter the room, and I don't know what it is. It's just God's done something. There's a peace on you. There's a hope in you that I'm drawn to, and that will remain. That will remain. The word of the Lord will remain. Your life To some, it may look like a complete disaster, a chasing of the wind, a withering flower. And yet God says, no, 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 I'm working with that. I'm working with that. Now, here's the thing. Here's the tough part. You may never see the full results of it on this side of eternity. You may be some of those in Hebrews 11 where it says, and dying, not seeing the the promises. I've seen it afar off. See, there's some things, there's some promises that you're not going to fully understand until that day that you stand before him and you just go, ah, that's what you are doing. That's what you are doing, God. It was worth it. It was worth it all. Because that life, those few years on this, this place that we call earth, it was a vapor. It was grass that grew up and withered. It was a flower that bloomed, and it was beautiful, and it fell away. But the thing that remained was your word for your glory. What is the end being of man? That we would glorify God and enjoy him forever. That your life would give glory to him. Now, something amazing. This message is given to this people at this time in history, and, and, and there's a change. There, there's comfort that's coming. There's, there's a forgiveness of sins. And he says this. He says, listen, for the voice of someone is shouting. So the first thing you need to know, the first thing you know is you're forgiven. The next thing you know is you need to listen. You need to hear what God is saying to you. And this voice comes and says, listen, there's someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a, sh- a straight way through the wastelands for our God. Does this sound familiar? If it sounds familiar, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's what's soon to be an echo of what John says over in chapter, John chapter 1, where John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he says this. He says, uh, uh, people came to John asking, who are you? And he came out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Well, who are you? Are you Elijah? Nope. Are you a prophet? Nope. Well, then who are you? Like these people, they want to know, who is John? Who, who are these things? And to which John replied, I am. And, and at this point, I think he would just kind of pause for effect. Because there's this moment where this, this conversation, if we rewind, sounds familiar as well. 
it's back when Moses was at the burning bush. Where Moses talking, well, well, who are you, God? Who are you? Who, who, who should I say? And God says, uh, tell him I am. And so, like, if I was, Mo, if I was John in this, I, I just kind of imagine this situation where they're asking, well, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And he just says, I am. And then pauses for dramatic effect. Like, no, no, I'm not him. But I am. And then he repeats what Isaiah writes. He says, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord, for he is coming. So he repeats this prophecy from Isaiah, and he says, listen, this culmination of all things, this thing that we've been waiting for. See, this comes on 800 years later, where he, he repeats that the people have been waiting. This is a people that have heard the stories over and over and over again. They're waiting for God. They've heard of the Messiah. They've heard of a Savior. And he's saying, listen, right now, this moment. I'm shouting this message. The prophet prophesied about this a long time ago. I know you've heard it before, but listen, this is the shout. I am the one with a voice in the middle of this, of this wilderness. I am not the Savior. I am not the Savior. But he's coming. But he's coming. He's coming. Who is John? I asked the band to come back up. John, John's nobody important. John is this guy that nobody knows who he is. And yet, we find him in this desert place. We find him in this desert place with this message. And he's saying, listen, the message is simple. Prepare the way of the Lord. And there's something different because this is the people, they've heard this time and time again. They've heard this for years. And and there's a certain aspect that you've come to church this morning. And I'm telling you that, listen, God's getting ready to do something new. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard this before. We've heard these things before. We've heard this encouragement before. But but no, 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 no. Like, it's different now. And see, John was a nobody. Man, I'm a nobody. And John was in a desert place. Man, you can't find Shalot on the map. Shalot? You meant to say Charlotte. No, no, no. Shalot. Not Shalot. Shalot. Right now, in this moment, I'm telling you guys, God is doing something. God is doing something. This isn't, for those of you that know me and those that have spent the last seven years with me, I'm not one to, like, put up the false hype. I'm not one to just, like, try to hype you up and, so that way you can leave and feel good about yourself. Like, you, you know that that's not me. But I'm telling you, the hype is real. God is doing something. God is stirring up, and we've got to get ready. We've got to prepare the way of the Lord. I know it's a simple message. I know we're just shouting it, but here's the thing. I know you've been looking for God to come in this glorious way, but often he comes in desert places. Often he comes in the place where you least expect him. Often he comes in the place where you're the most loneliness, where you're the most depressed, where the place where you've heard the same message over and over, and God's saying, listen, it's time to change the way you think. It's time to stir up your faith again. It's time for you to believe again. It's time for you to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. It's time for you to shout. It's time for you to shout it out. Stand to your feet. It's time. It is time. Tell my people, let them know all is forgiven. All is forgiven. Comfort my people. Their sins are no more. It's all been pardoned. It's a brand new day. You have suffered long enough. You have suffered 
long enough. Get ready. Get ready. And you know what's amazing? John says this, and then, he, and, then, and then almost on the heels of this the next day, you know what? It says this, and as Jesus was walking towards them, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. See, there's something when God, when, 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 when John just begins to stir the pot, when John, when God tells the people, get ready, there's one coming, Jesus starts walking towards you. Jesus starts walking towards you. All is forgiven. It starts with forgiveness. It starts with listening. It starts with knowing this is the message that God has put into my heart, and I've got to shout it out. I can't remain silent anymore. God's doing something. He's doing something. Play something jamming. Let's just rock for a minute. Let's just, that resurrecting me, start where it's at the end awesome. Okay, like, I'm serious, guys. I know, like, our church, like, we are this beautiful group of people that we are made up of all different types of denominations. And, and, and for just a moment, like, today, we're just going to praise God. We're going to praise God with everything that's within us. And, and, and like, some of y'all just need to, like, cut loose for a second. This right here, you can put your hands in the air. You can clap. You can jump, okay? I'm telling you, for the next few moments, it's okay. It's okay. Like, rock it. Let's just do it. Let's just, for a few minutes, let's just do it. Cool. By your spirit I will rise From the ashes of defeat The resurrected King Is resurrecting me In your name I come alive To declare your victory The resurrected King Is resurrecting me By your spirit I will rise From the ashes of defeat The resurrected King Is resurrecting me In your name I come alive To declare your victory The resurrected King Is resurrecting me By your spirit I will rise From the ashes of defeat The resurrected King is resurrecting me In your name I come alive to declare your victory The resurrected King is resurrecting me The resurrected King is resurrecting me The resurrected King is resurrecting revival for revival to happen first of all you've got to admit something's dead and you've got to admit listen there's been something that's dead in my life and god i need you to bring some resurrection i need you to bring some resurrection in my life there's something that that, 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 that's dead and god resurrect me what's that line what's that that bridge line the uh where's it at here the um that the first 
sing that verse for? Like, I, I, like, just bear with me. This might just be for me this morning. This might just be right, for me. But just worship with me, okay? Come on, come on, sing it. The tomb where life itself was laid was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our god has robbed the grave and our god has robbed the grave yes he has yes he has Your name, your name is victory. In our place, we'll rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. In our place, we'll rise to Christ our King. And by your Spirit, I will rise. From the ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting Get ready. Get ready. God is doing something. He's up to something. Sometimes you just got to stir it up. Sometimes you just got to stir it up, right? I'll jump into a Bob Marley song real quick on y'all. Just got to stir it up. Hey, listen, we love you guys. If there's anybody that needs prayer for anything, there's going to be some people up here that would love to pray with you. Next week's going to be awesome. Eating after make plans on just staying and hanging out, getting to know some people. We love you guys. Grace and peace.